Hello all and welcome to the 88th edition of On The Ball, the Norwich podcast that has always held a soft spot for those named Dean. I'm Michael Bailey, I cover the Canaries for The Athletic and I hope this finds you safe and well. On the way, shaky battle and goal, uh, definitely minimal Billy talk and the agreeable general meeting. We work through all that and more with our guests this fine evening. They are Norwich number one chief at NCFC numbers, also known as our very own Steve Sanders. Hello, Michael. We also have our own Scottish maestro commentator and journalist, although he's now better known for his stellar Hodgie the Hack content. It's Stuart Hodge. Thank you very much, mate. I'm glad you consider it stellar. Hello, everyone. Good to be back on the ball. There he is. And City fan and Canaries Trust board member, Sarah Greaves is here. Hello. Thank you for having me back. Obviously, my Captain Canary rant didn't ban me from on the ball forever. And I'm wearing my lucky beanie, which has been on um, since we started getting points. So I can't really take it off now. I was, I was afraid you were going to say it's been on since you finished the last podcast, which would no, have been only, really only during the games. I'm going to have to take it off soon because I'll overheat, but it's my lucky hat. <laughs> we'll take it. And we all are also expecting another Captain Canary rant, to be honest, Sarah. Lovely to have you back. Uh, <laughs> thanks, guys, uh, for coming on. Always appreciated and much fun. Um, how are we doing, Steve? Uh, how are you since we last met, which was, I guess, the Daniel Farker Legacy Special podcast, which has yeah, gone down was... a treat, by the way. That was fun, was... wasn't it? before that was great and obviously before we even knew about dean smith um well no we knew but we didn't know for sure we did we no um no. we didn't know no uh no i mean it's it's obviously an honor to be talking to the the journalist that featured in the dean smith uh intro video um <laughs> so they could have picked any journalist to to do a close-up on at that press conference but they uh, they chose you so how do you feel about that well, I mean, I, I, they, I guess they chose the one that looked most clueless, or maybe away with the fairies. <laughs> so I'm not sure. The one who was sitting well, there was going, "Was there a talksport mm. journalist there?" <laughs> was <laughs> Moose? Was Moose there? I feel he like was Moose there. Was... He was in the front row. Ian <laughs> Abrahams was there. I don't think you were the most clueless. Then. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yes. carry no, on. Absolutely. I, I second that. I second that motion, Mister Sanders. Here, here. Easy to say when you're not in a press conference room with them, which is always yeah. good. Um, but yeah, uh, it has been um, has been quite the time, hasn't it? Stu, how are you? When were you last on? A little while ago. Too now, long ago. Oh. I, I, I delete. Um, oh, do you remember? No, I remember <laughs> now. Me and Steve spending a whole pod going, Stu's going to come on. And then you never oh, did. Yeah. And that was the whole point. Yeah, <laughs> I had a fitness knock that day. Um, so like, <laughs> the dodgy hamstring that they make uh, it. I've got to be honest here, Stu, you've got a lot to live up to because last time you were brilliant. Oh, yeah. mate, do you know what it's the most sense i've ever made yeah you made, you made the fewest <laughs> zero words ever. zero words no zero dodgy words. predictions no bad impressions it was my best ever performance no. so we missed you we missed you and it's great to have you back on um okay. sarah how's things uh, uh thing, things are good i mean it's quite a nice day to be on the podcast isn't it it's like I can, I can be my normal optimistic self, but actually with good reason for being optimistic for once, rather than being optimistic and then knowing that the hope and the optimism may crush me at the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so the optimism is feeling joyous at the moment. I am getting too hot, so this hat is going to have to come off. But it's been okay. with me. Since that, the, that's all right, as long as it doesn't come off during a Norwich City game. Like, yeah, that's I'm quite happy. Like, that that's hat has been that's with me since the 90s, so it's a very special hat. We will flag. We will flag that moment up. Don't you worry. Um, uh, that is wonderful. I, I'll just flag up that if I do sound a little bit croaky, I, I do have a bit of a cold at the moment. Uh, not COVID. Um, you know, in true Alan Partridge style, I feel like I do have to say that these days. But it is a bit of a bit of a cold. So I am drinking Lemsip at the moment. So I hope uh, I hope it doesn't detract too much from the uh, from the normal sense I make. <laughs> even even I'm not convinced by that. Um, and, instead, I tell you what. Let's crack on, shall we? With um, our headline act. Sorry to everyone listening live. I still have not adjusted the volume on that sting. Um, it's a good job I get to edit it in, in for the audio. Um, well, I mean, it's a two it's a two for one, really. Headline act this week, of course. We have a new head coach. It's the first time Norwich City have had a different head coach 
uh, to to Daniel Farker on this podcast. Um, so this is the first podcast of the mm. Dean Smith era. Uh, him and Craig Shakespeare, um, who will be his assistant, they were both unveiled uh, last week on on Wednesday. Um, we have to call him Shaky from now on in. Uh, I, I almost to. feel well. We I've, I've, visit the rules. I feel weird calling him Craig, to be honest. I've been in a few <laughs> press conferences and the idea of calling him Craig seems to be lost on everyone else. It has to be shaky. I um, think what you should do is you should ask him questions. This might be a bit highbrow, but an iambic pentameter, which yes, is the Shakespearean nice. technique of like, see everything wow. with five beats in the sentence. That's something that William okay. Shakespeare did yeah. in all these plays. Save save that for once my cold's gone, Stu, and I'll probably get my head around it. That sounds, I'll definitely have a go. Um so yeah, there they are. Um, I mean, I'm still stuck on stuck with the image in my head of a Saturday morning finding out that uh, Dean Smith had been on <laughs> offered his contract, sitting in my boxes on my phone on the bed. That was how I broke that story. If anyone yes, was wondering, <laughs> so sorry about that. Um, <laughs> that's how I that's how I roll. Um, uh, and of course, that was one thing. We then had all of the, the training um, footage that came out, which was exciting. We had the news conferences. We had the unveiling, all very exciting. But let's be honest, ultimately, it's the first public outing that matters. And that was when Norwich City stepped out on the pitch against Southampton on Saturday and won. Um, Steve, uh, uh, scenes, I suppose is one oh. word. Hashtag scenes. Um, yeah. And stats. I mean, we what unheard of statistics there were around Norwich having back-to-back wins in the Premier League and then coming from behind. Mental. Yeah. Uh, someone asked, someone's asked in the chat, is this the first time we've had an on-the-ball podcast after two straight PL wins? Well, it definitely is, because the oh, last yeah, time yeah. it happened was under <laughs> Alec Neal. So uh, so there's no no question about that. I don't even think I did um, one on the Pinken, to be honest. <laughs> so, yeah. Carry on, anyway. And yeah, I think it was something, oh, sorry, I haven't got the number to hand, but it's something like 50 games, uh, I'd say in 51 games since the last time we even got a point from behind in the Premier League. So yeah, like scenes, as you say, and kind of, I heard, I you know, I heard someone say after the game, you know, kind of a good sign that Dean Smith's a lucky manager because we didn't play yeah. that well, but I don't, you know, it, I don't think that is luck. It feels like a mentality thing to me that can't be chance because... We were bad in the first half. Like, let's let's be honest. We were very very lucky to go in at one uh, one. I think Hodgie might have tweeted that we only had one shot. Uh, and Saints had had about twelve. Um, yeah, they had twelve four on target. We'd won one on target, and it was pretty so. Cool. And it completely showed. And I think, I mean, I have to say, I said after fifteen minutes, Todd Cantwell's not match fit. He's got to come off at half time. Um, but I do think there are previous managers that we've had. I'm not saying Daniel Fark was one of them that wouldn't have made that change at half time and brought Sargent on. And it was a it looked like the kind of game where Sargent could make an impact. And he really, really did. And I think you could see the value because we were not good off the ball. We, we, we were OK on the ball, but we were really bad off the ball in the first half. And Southampton just ran all over us. But the, the press in the second half was so much more effective because we were all doing it together. And I think we really saw the value of what Josh Sargent could do in that second half, even if he didn't score or, or set up a goal. Um, and what more can you ask for from your opening game as a manager than to, uh, and you alluded to this in your post-match um, video, Michael, that it happened. And I think Dean Smith mentioned this as well. He conceded after about three minutes in in the Villa gate, um, his last game as Villa manager against Southampton. It was like, here we go again. But he managed to turn it around. Um, whereas I think Hasenhutl subs, I don't quite know why he took... I mean, Stu, you might know, he might have run himself into the ground playing for Scotland, but I don't know why he took Jay Adams off because I thought Adams was having a real impact. And the same with Oriel Romain. You didn't understand it, mate. Mm. Um, and I thought the subs from both managers swung the game in our favour. But, you know, any win in the Premier League, we will take two in a row. We will definitely take. And it kind of didn't matter about the performance. I'd rather have won ugly than played really well in some ways because I think it was all about getting that win and there's something to build on. Um, I would just, yeah, I will add, echo the sentiment on Josh Sargent particularly because I, I, I've i tried very hard never to get too weighty on one player. And I felt like with Josh, I've, that's the closest I've come because it just felt like technically there, there needed to be more than he had and he just wasn't ready. But A, I have preferred him in a wider role where he gets more room to run. I think that impacts it. And I thought his performance completely set the tone for what everyone else did around him. So I think that impact... And also, you know, the way that Dean Smith sort of slightly tweaked the shape was was really important because it did did play a part in it, especially. Um, there is a piece <clears throat> on The Athletic from this morning 
just going through some of the changes it is well worth a read uh, that piece on the athletic uh, there may be a black friday uh, deal coming up soon as well by the way i probably shouldn't say that now because i'm breaking but you know soon soon keep an eye out maybe um uh, if, you, if you're not quite a subscriber yet but that, that goes through quite a few <clears throat> details from from the game and some of the some of the changes it's definitely worth in terms of the pressing stats it was quite stark how norwich basically doubled their pressing effort in the second half compared to the first but also it was um the fifth best half of pressing um intensity in the premier league in the last two seasons um wow the other four um if you take those 45 minutes as a scoreline the other four norwich still lost three of them and drew the other so um what got me is that Norwich pressed, but there were also moments when Dean Smith was saying, calm it down, and they weren't committing bodies forward, even though yeah. they were pressing. So it wasn't like they were pressing and then leaving massive spaces, which is basically what the second half against Watford looked like, which was one of those really high pressing halves. Norwich did it in a way that at least sort of, um, you know, carried through what they were doing. The other thing I'm just going to add, Steve, because the last time Norwich took any sort of point in the Premier League from a losing position, was the 4-2 win at home to Watford at the end of the 2015-16 season. Now, Norwich were basically relegated that night and I was at that game and it was like, it was nothing. It, nothing mentally. Norwich already really, really relegated. So if you sort of go, that doesn't really mean anything, which I think you could argue, you basically go back 115 games in the Premier League to the last time Norwich won from a losing position wow. and 72 games from the last time they picked up a single point mm. from losing a game which is just mental i find yeah. um and i suppose the point Stu, is how much of this is sustainable is this something that can happen or is it just oh we're going to press really hard because it's a new manager and i don't want to get on his wrong side uh, no i don't i don't think it is that i think because the key thing is it was peaks and troughs of it the counter press happened when it needed to happen they pressed high when they needed to press high but what impressed me in the first half was the resilience that they showed despite, obviously, conceding an early goal, got one back really quickly. But it was the application that was shown, because quite often under Farker, you'd see the low block would be there, they'd have the hands behind the back, and they'd be trying to get in front of shots, but they wouldn't be proper Richard Dunn throwing themselves at it. Whereas in that first half, Grant Hanley, Ben Gibson, they were just throwing themselves at everything. All of the players were showing a real hunger on that side of the ball. That I thought was really good. I think our ball retention in the first half was really poor. I think the directive seemed quite clear to me. It was use the ball productively when you've got it instead of just passing around the, the sort of low block of the other team, maybe waiting for an opportunity to arise as you would under Daniel Farka. I think it was more about, right, let's get the ball forward quickly. Let's try and use it productively when we do have it. I think they almost rushed it in the first half, whereas I think in the second half, the balance was a lot better. Is it sustainable? I think it is. I, I think having a manager that seems, and let's be honest, it's a managerial pairing, as you quite rightly pointed out, Michael, and that, that was why I was so sold in this, because you get Dean Smith, who's really, really forward-thinking. His teams play like a really dynamic and nice style. And then you've got Craig Shakespeare, who was the architect of the platform that, that won Leicester City a Premier League title under Claudio Ranieri. So I think that combination, that one-two punch, as your coaching duo, is, is something that really excites me. And I think it is sustainable now having a manager and, and a sort of assistant who know how to coach games in the Premier League, know how to win games in the Premier League. I think we've got a squad that definitely is better than the points total that we had under Daniel Farka. I think we'll now begin to show that. I think... Carroll Road, we're going to give most teams a game this season. We'll probably, like, maybe against the bigger teams, there might be a couple of heavier defeats, but I don't think it matters as long as we win enough games against the Burnleys, the Wolves of the world. So I think it is sustainable to be fighting and then we're fighting chance in the vast majority of games. And I think the key thing is we are now, had Daniel Farker still been in charge at this point, even if we'd won like two games in a row, maybe he'd be beginning to go, oh, has he turned the corner? But I would still quite constantly say we're going down. Whereas I'm now looking at it and I think we beat Wolves. We are right in the mix. We are right in the mix with any team to try and stay in this division. And I think fighting and being in with a fighting chance is perfectly sustainable. And I'm I'm just so impressed by the, the subtleties that they showed. I think the it was almost kind of good the way that we hung in there in the first half, even though the team wasn't great, to go in level. 
and to hang in the game like that, I think mentally that's absolutely massive for the players to then go on and take the three points, performing better in the second half. The coach showed what he can do. First thing George uh, Josh Sargent did in the second half was press high and win Norwich a throw-in. That was straight after the, the second half kicked off. It set the tone. It set the tone for what the team was going to do, what he was going to do. And I was just so impressed by by so many aspects of the the performance, the character, everything like that. And I think I saw I saw enough sides to it to think that we're in we're a right good chance now. Love it. Um, the thing that stuck out with me, I mean, great point. And I think Norwich, they they grew into the game and I thought they grew in confidence. And it was the first time it it sort of felt a bit like, a, and you know, people probably slagged me off for this. It felt a bit like a Chris Hewton victory. Now, people think that Chris Hewton was rubbish and did absolutely nothing here and they, they hate him. But to be honest, he, he, he looked as good a Premier League manager as I've seen manage this football club since 1992 and he knew how if the team got it right um especially at home how to manage a victory and i saw aspects of that i thought the way they grew into the game and actually bar the goal in the opening minutes i actually thought norwich defended their box the goal really well ben gibson i thought was was very good and um and that gave them a platform and i think it sort of comes back to something you said at the start steve which is you 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 can get lucky, but you have to be kind of good enough to take advantage of your luck in football, I think. And I don't think Norwich ever looked good enough to take advantage of any luck they got in the in the Premier League, really. Um, uh, uh, probably the case in point being the penalty that Norwich got against Leicester. You know, they had that and then that, that advantage soon whittled away. So um, it was good to see them grow, Sarah. And I think, I guess, that second half, it'd be a while since we've seen them look that competitive at this level. Oh, yeah. I mean, it it was just such a, a different team that came out. I mean, when I was last on, on your pod, all I wanted to see was some passion or some pride from the players in, in the shirt and like looking like they cared. And like in the first half, the kids are sitting there <laughs> nearly ready to start swearing at the players on the pitch, right? Because, you know, they're trying to get them to tackle and you've got a nine-year-old and a 13-year-old screaming at the players going, Outstanding. Why That's what we want. Why That's what Norwich drives you to. Why aren't you tackling them? And yeah. they were nowhere near them, right? They were, they were nowhere near them. It was kind of like standing back and no one looked like they were going to take the initiative and just put that first boot in. Although, you know, I agree the defence didn't look like they were, they were going to be rocked that much. I mean, the <laughs> I'm sure the first goal wasn't his plan. I don't think his team talk as they went out would have been what, you know what, guys? I know what's going to get that atmosphere rocking. <laughs> Let one in in the first three minutes, then equalise, then hang on. And then we'll come out in the second half like we've always been meaning to play. I don't think that was his initial team talk. But when they came out, that, I mean, as much as we all love to see Todd back and we've we've missed him and we've wanted to see his skill on the on the pitch, he didn't look ready. And I think we could see that all pretty early on. And it wasn't a surprise that he went off. Um, I just hope that hasn't sort of put back his confidence or his um, desire to train and get back in the first team, because I think we still will need him over the season. But then as soon as Sargent came on and did that first run and pressed the ball, and you just thought, you know what, he's going to set the tone. And you could just see the rest of the players going, well, you know what, we can do this. We can get after them. And, you know, I'd love to know what he said at halftime, wouldn't we all? I mean, I can sort of imagine maybe some of it. I can sort of imagine maybe what went on. I mean, I thought it was quite telling Grant Hanley was asked and he said, no comment, I'm not telling you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I would really like to know what those words of wisdom are because maybe it will help my skills at parenting and getting the kids to pack uh, their school bags or do some other stuff, right? I would you know? imagine... <laughs> They'd probably start parroting the same language back to you, Sarah. Probably wouldn't want <laughs> they that. They could use it during the game. It'd be yeah. perfect. If you've got Josh Sargent waiting in the wings to replace one of them, though, Sarah, if, uh, if you need <laughs> him to, to come in as a, as a last-minute sub. Well, I love no, that I idea. mean, it was just a, a different team, and I think it just gave us all what we needed. We wanted to see them look like they believed they could do it because, you know, we all think the quality is in the squad. They're decent players. You know, they yeah. play really well for their countries. They've just not been gelling as a, as a Norwich team, and if he can find a way to get Gilmore in that side and playing in a good position for him. And I think he did in the second half. I think, you know, having Norman play slightly further back for Gilmore up to, to show us what he could really do. And if he can make that work, I think it's going to be, you know, like Hodgie said, we're going to be in quite a few of those games going forward and it's going to be good to see. 
20, yeah. 20, 20 odd minutes before our first Billy Gilmore mentioned. And it wasn't so. me, by the way. Oh. No, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't think it would be me, but there you go. <laughs> on, on, on the on the Todd thing, um, I, I mean, this is maybe a kind of a, like a history being written by the victors kind of thing, but I, I'm not so sure. I, I, he was blatantly not fit in yeah, that game. Off. Right. But I'm not so sure it was a mistake to play him if in, in a weird way, because it, I, I think I don't. just the way that we played in the first half and he wasn't, I don't think he was bad. He was just not fit. And I think it actually gave us the license, but because we managed to hang on, you, you said it, Hodgie, like hanging on to half time was actually massive. Um, and taking him off and getting Sergeant on, we kind of, it felt like we hadn't expended that much energy in the first half because we just sat so deep that that then gave us the license to press in the, in the second half. So I wouldn't be massively surprised. Obviously, we'll talk about the Wolves game, but I wouldn't be that surprised if he started again and yeah. and something similar happened. Well, obviously, he's training well, right, Steve? Obviously, mm. he's got his head back in the game, but he's at the ground and he's training and he's putting the effort in because I don't think Dean Smith would have put him in if he wasn't seeing something at the training mm. ground that impressed him, right? I think yeah. the the mental side of the the mental side of the thing is quite big. So I, I think Todd Cantwell being in the team, it was as much about the statement of putting Todd Cantwell in the team. He obviously knew he had at least forty five minutes in him, which is what he proved to have in him in the end. A cheer for I think immense, right, Hodgie, when his, he was announced. Right, the crowd mm, gave biggest. Oh, by the way, credit to the Carroll Road DJ who was playing some absolute bangers prior to kickoff. <laughs> Numb encore, a particular favourite of mine. But um, I, I think the atmosphere at the ground seemed to be absolutely brilliant. I was really jealous or, or envious, at least, of all of you people that were there. So um, I would have loved to have been there. But yeah, I think for the fans, for Todd himself, for just to bury all of the narrative of all of the stuff that was going on under 23s and fallouts and whatever whatever's going on, uh, I think getting Todd Cantwell back in that team. I don't. I, I'm actually unlike you, Steve. I think he'll probably go back onto the bench for the Wolves game, but I think he's going to have a good half hour in him, and it could be a really impactful half hour from the bench. And what a card that is mm. up your sleeve to potentially play if you need a game changer at some point. But I think the the key thing it was the symbolic thing of getting Todd Cantwell and Billy Gilmore into that yeah. starting eleven was was absolutely massive. Grant Hanley also came back in. Thought Omo Bamadeli was really, really unlucky to be dropped. He, he was the big the big loser from the, the team selection, but obviously he's got a, a really good future in terms of where he's going to go. But the one question, Mark, I would kind of say is, Kabak, is he now fourth in the pecking order and we're going to play two centre-backs? So. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I certainly. Uh, I don't see. I don't see um, Dean Smith playing three at the back. I must admit, no. he only played that really later on at Villa, and I think a lot of Villa fans felt it didn't really work. So I, I'd be surprised if he did that. And um, and yeah, I think looking at it, the, I, I, you 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 see this only quite quite a bit when a new manager comes in. There's always someone where it's, it's suddenly going to go one of two ways. Now, you know, I remember Paul Lambert coming in, and for the first month. Gary Doherty and um, Wesula were going to basically be bombed out. And by the end of that season, they were playing key roles in the League One title winners. So you never quite know. Might be something that, you know, pick up, touch wood, hopefully not, but you pick up a couple of injuries, he needs him, and then he starts looking the part. So um, we'll see. But uh, yeah, one maybe we'll see how it plays out, I reckon. Well, and also uh, we've played three different centre-half partnerships in the last three games. So it, it it quickly it can quickly change, you know, especially if we have another four or five nil defeat, which hopefully we won't. But uh, if, if that kind of thing no, happens, it's optimism then optimism night. But, no, but optimism. and I should say, yeah, yeah, that's the last that's the last you'll hear from me. Uh, anything, <laughs> but um, but I, sh I should say that uh, Gibson was brilliant. I thought absolutely, yeah. arguably our best player. Like I, Hanley best had a game shaky in the first half. Best game Maybe. in the Norwich shirt? Maybe. He had some good ones last year, but he did. Um, he did. Yeah. But not against the calibre of anyone that yeah. we saw, like Southampton on Saturday, who weren't bad, actually. And that was the other I thought they were outstanding in the first half. First half I thought was was, was, apart from maybe top end of the pitch, you know, taking taking <laughs> yeah. their chances, which Dan Sheldon, who I was sat next to, covers them for the athletic, and he was like, That yeah, that is the issue. It was also a side that's lost more losing position, they lost more points from winning <laughs> positions than anyone else. So, you know, um, Take advantage. As I say, you're lucky. <laughs> take advantage of what you can take advantage of. Uh, I mean, yeah, I've, I've written here Hanley Paradox because obviously he, mm. he headed the winning goal on his birthday. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't have a great game, goal. ultimately. No, he but... didn't. He, he had a couple of key slips. Um, Tim Crew definitely bailed him out at least yeah, once. Yeah. I think... I think Hanley's still obviously he's got the the leadership element and and that that's massive. Uh, but 
I mean, if I'm looking at quality of player, I, I like Omo Bamadeli next to Gibson better than that. And obviously, I'm the the Caledonian drum beater, and I'm saying that. So, <laughs> I I think I thought Omo Bamadeli might start, but I think Hanley, with the experience that he's got, yeah. the partnership with Gibson, it was it was the safe choice, and I think ultimately it was the right one. Um, and by the way, first goal in the Premier League since New Year's Eve 2011. I got this tweet wrong at the weekend, but it's the third longest wait a player's had in Premier League history between wow. goals. I can't believe he's only 30. <laughs> Feels like he's been around forever. Yeah. Key question. Do you have the golden goal time for that goal? I do not. Do you, Sarah? No, because my, my golden goal ticket was 78 minutes and like 30-something seconds. Oh, you must have been close. So I need to close. know the exact time to know if that... Just uh, just mes- message. Send send Phil Gray a tweet. He'll, he'll answer. He, he stores <laughs> all of that stuff up in his head. Um, I, I, I do just want to um, say a hello uh, to Colin, um, who I met in Spoons before the game. He had to look after his, his lunch while he, he nipped out off for a second. But I, was, I was in there meeting a friend. Um, so I did that and had a nice little chat with Colin. Um, he might, I meant to give this shout out in my video verdict and forgot, which I was actually really annoyed about because I decided in my head I was going to do that and I forgot. So I'm sorry, Colin. And now I'm doing it in the podcast. You might not watch and you might not listen, but I'm doing it for you, Colin. He, he remembers watching Norwich. I think he first saw them play in 1948. So, really? um, you know, proper long, long standing Norwich fan. And I, I, I bet you after all those years, Colin loved Saturday. I How just... did you look after his lunch? Did you well, like watch it or put your arm around it? Or I don't, don't want to. You know, yeah, I just watched it from through the corner of my eye. Um, okay, and uh, presumably it was fine when he came back because <laughs> it was still there. <laughs> presumably. So, presumably it was fine, and I'm sure Colin had a lovely lunch and then an even better afternoon. So there we go. Um, right, I tell you what. Then um, I think we should move on uh, to uh, our standard end of first half. Um, section as we try and maintain our concentration levels. Let's defend this goal with all we've got and we deliver (laughs) a little bit of this. Yes, this is Pick That One Out where uh, the podders each get a window to bring up an issue they're struggling to let go. If they lose themselves for more than 30 seconds, the buzzer sounds... There he is. I better turn that up. Um, and uh, and then that is time to let go, maybe. Although I, I've proven that that can be quite hard. Um, you get a minute uh, last time. No, no. Just felt like it, probably. Um, <laughs> Sarah, do you want to go first for that comment? Oh, no. OK, I'm going to have to streamline. I've gone for a minute, but I'm going to compress. Into just, just say it twice as fast. You'll be fine. Go on then. Let, just think of intensive pressing intensity. Do it, do it twice as good. Okay. Yeah, go for right, it. Goes. So there's so many things to rant about. It could be why Norman's changed his hair colour so he's no longer the Norwegian god we all remembered. Is it why only Pookie plays well when he shaves his head and grows his beard long? Is it what is Todd's dog's name? He's always on Instagram and always at the beach, but I don't know that dog's name and it's driving us crazy. Is it Captain Canary again, who is unable to use a laptop in the recent Junior Canaries quiz? No, it's none of that. I'm going to be serious for a moment and I say go and watch the Norwich City women's team up at the nest they kick off at two o'clock on a Sunday their next game is at home on December the 12th when they take on QPR and why does it matter because it's 50 years since the ban on women playing football was lifted so between 1921 and 1971 women couldn't play football even though they were started playing football in some of the first teams in 1895 so you know what now is the time Norwich fans to get up to the nest and support the women's team I mean, yeah, no yeah. way I was no way I was buzzing that couldn't, in midway. Cut that short. That was like, I'll buzz it now, though. I'll buzz <laughs> it now. Um, great shout. That is absolutely a great shout. I'm looking forward to seeing the women play. They they um having a pretty the decent top. season, aren't they, so far as well? Uh, I mean, it, it's a it's a tough league for them. They've got, you know, teams in that in their division who are sort of playing more than them who aren't completely amateur. So it's like the borderline between amateur and sort of semi-pro. Um they're aiming to be fourth from bottom, a bit like maybe maybe the men, yeah. men's team. Um, and they're doing all right. They had a rough start like the men's team, and now they've picked up some decent some decent wins and some decent games. And they're in the second round of the Women's FA Cup this Brilliant. weekend, away at the mighty Stoke, which is apparently a regional destination for us, according to the <laughs> FA. So that's good. God bless the people running football. Hey, um, fantastic. Well, look, I'm, I'm definitely going to get to a women, one of the Norwich City uh, women's games. So, um, and do you guys and girls out there try and do that too, if you can, because the nest is a great place to go and watch football now as well, by the way. 
Um, brilliant, Sarah. Thank you so much. Um, glad Captain Canary didn't get away with that. I do genuinely want to know what Todd's dog's name is. I must. I know. Have, I'd Does really anyone know? <laughs> and um, so, if anyone knows, let us know. And uh, and yeah, Matthias Norman's hair. Good point. I wonder if someone else is going to bring that up. Um, Steve, do you want to go? Hodgie, who wants to go first? You're both wearing the same jumper today, so it's up to you. Maybe I should uh, do Steve's and he should do mine. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to want to do mine, Hodgie. Trust me on that. I'll let you go first. Brilliant. Okay, well, dokie. Right. Um, so I'll kick off. I want to talk about substitutions and how every substitution was absolutely bang on the money. I think it was right to pick Todd Cantwell for the start for the symbolic element that I mentioned earlier. I think the sub for Sergeant we saw, by the way, set the tone at the start of that second half that, again, I mentioned earlier. That showed why that was an important substitution. Lucas Rupp came on for Billy Gilmore at exactly the right time in the game. And I think what, what I loved was Shakespeare cupped his, his arm around the back of Gilmore's head and just said, look, well done, son. I know you don't want to come off, but you were great. And that's, that's I think, important. And then Jolis came on and got a little bit of game time. That's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Well done, Stu. Uh, like a top pro that you are. Um, yeah, Christos Jolis, that's an interesting one, isn't it? I still can't believe he just sort of disappeared after his debut against um, Arsenal, pretty much. But there we go. Uh, Steve, do you want to go before I sneeze? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's quite a way to leave me in. But yeah, I'm ready when you are. Go for it. Okay, I'm sort of doing this play devil's advocate. I'm sort of doing this because Hodgie's here. But uh, Billy Gilmore, um, the can we just calm the hype down ever so slightly on this one? Because he had a brilliant game on Saturday, don't get me wrong, but I don't think it helps to be saying things like, he must be in the team. He's, you know, I'm hearing like, they don't deserve to have a player like Gilmore. The guy has played before Saturday, five games for us started. We lost every single one. And I don't think we could feasibly say he was good in any of those. So I don't think anybody is walking in this team at the moment, least of all somebody who's played 22 uh, professional games before he came here. Who said Absolutely. that? Who who said? I've who, seen it. I've seen oh Chelsea fans saying. I mean, oh, you know, well. Chelsea fans, right? Right. <laughs> but but look, so the guy's talented. Sorry, I've, I've had my thirty seconds. But... <laughs> well, no, because I could go on. I think Hodgie has right of reply here because he's basically like a right. big brother. Man of the match against Liverpool. Man of the match against Man City. Man of the match against Chelsea. Eh, against Everton. Sorry. And that is, and people point out he's only played it, a handful of Premier League it, it, games. Hang on, whose who's opinion? Whose opinion was he man of the match in all no, these he games? He won the man of the match award. And he didn't play against the That's because no, no, the sponsor, no, no, sorry, that's because the sp for Norwich. Hang on, hang on. This is at Chelsea, right? The taste okay. of football he's had at Chelsea. Man of the match against Liverpool. He's had a man of the match against Manchester yeah. City. And he's had a man of the match against Everton. And what I think was his first Premier League start. His first international start at Wembley against England. Man of the match. So there is a reason that this hype train exists, regardless of whether you think it's a positive thing or a negative thing. Benjamin Bloom was on my podcast earlier, said much the same as you, Steve, that it's a bit counterproductive. And it's a lot of pressure to put on a young man. But the hype train is there for a reason. That's why he has impacted things massively for Chelsea when he's had a taste. And Norwich City provides him with a vehicle to push on his game and have more of a level of responsibility, obviously a, a lesser club. And that's why the hype train exists. I agree. He needs but... to now. He needs to now take that and run with it. But I think let's let's give him a run of games just to actually go settle in, please football, and and maybe not put the scrutiny level at what it's at. Because if and you that's... compare it to like a Brandon Williams, there's nowhere near the same level of scrutiny in him, and he's a Man United player. Uh, well, and I think the thing the thing I would counter that with is we're not here to make we're not here to make Billy Gilmore better. And I think we saw, I agree, like there are games like on Saturday where he's going to be really useful for us. However, I think we also saw on Saturday the side of him where the first half, the game passed him by, completely passed him by. Second half, I have to say he was brilliant, probably the best player in the second half. But I think there will be games for Billy Gilmore where he starts and there will be games where he doesn't start as a purely as a tactical thing. And I don't think it, I just don't think it helps to have the whole why is he not playing? He should be in the team. You know, look at look at what he's done for Scotland. Look at what he's done for Chelsea. Like, I, I think he has to earn his right to be in this team. I'm not saying he's not a good player. He's probably out one of our, you know, with Norman, our most talented centre midfielder. But I just, 
I don't feel like he's at that position yet where I'd say Billy Gilmore must play. We must find a way to play him. Do, do you know what I think is funny as well? Like, you actually thought I was saying he was man of the match in Norwich City games, mate. <laughs> I, I wasn't, I I wasn't actually. I thought. I thought that. Yeah, yeah. but I also, the man of the match is such a subjective thing because who's, who's awarding it? Who's man of the match on Saturday? I don't, I don't actually yeah. know. I, I know that I know these one man of the match awards. I think it was like the, the Sky one. Like for the live Sky games okay, that he was in, so, I think yeah. he won the Sky Sports Award yeah. for it. I mean, I mean sponsors man of the match, we know counts for nothing anyway. That was that was his first Premier League assist on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So you know there was a touch in the first half that if if John McGinn saying he's the best player he's ever seen, I couldn't believe how bad the touch was when it sort when he sort of punted it, and then Southampton had loads of room to break. And I thought the first half was very similar to what we saw in his first three appearances, where basically he was really easy to get around um, and either play behind or turn around. And um, and then in the second half with, and I, th- I think Billy Gilmore's this player, I think Billy Gilmore gets all of the attention, yet he's so reliant on the players around him. I think that for Scotland, mm-hmm. I think if John McGinn isn't mm-hmm. along, isn't just slightly ahead of, of uh, Billy Gilmore, I think he struggles. I just think those legs and that dynamism around him is really important. When the team was playing really well, Billy then can mesh and he can play passes and get it back and play it again and play it back. And suddenly he's making everything tick because everything around him is working. I don't necessarily think he's he's the the one making it. I don't don't think he does. I'll give give you an example, right? Scotland, Moldova. He came to Moldova. Right. Moldova away. I watched that they... game. Moldova were barely a League One side. Right. You no, know, they're, they're no very good, right? But the point right. is, Scotland, Scotland, that's traditionally a banana skin. Last time we were at Moldova before that, we drew, right? So we're playing in that game, struggling to get the breakthrough that we need. He has a word with Nathan Patterson, right? Who he came through the, the, the ranks with at Rangers on the right hand side. He says, make a run inside. He then zips a pass at pace into John McGinn. John McGinn hits it over for the assist. Patterson takes a touch and scores. Yeah, the goal. A wonderful goal. But Billy Gilmore is the chess master at the start of that move. He's saying, yeah. you make the run. He's playing yeah. the pass before the yeah. pass that leads yeah. to the goal. He and that's brilliant. the player that he is. If we, if he can take that... Le- so the key thing for me, for him, if he can take that same level of responsibility that he's happy to accept with Scotland in the Premier League with Norwich City, and he can take it upon his shoulders to do that, because we know the scrutiny that's on him, but if he can take it upon his shoulders to actually take that level of responsibility and elevate himself to that position, then that'll be him being successful for Norwich. 100%. The only thing is that is in a game where the opposition are sitting. They're not particularly good. And also they almost equalised in the first half because the midfielder ran ahead of Billy Gilmore. So I just, I think to have that impact at Premier League level is asking a lot unless the players around him are doing the business. And so I think I'm going to be incredibly conscious of this whole Billy Gilmore narrative, because for me, he only improves if the whole team is working with him. So I think that's that's a a significant key. Um, But it's a great debate. I tell you what it's not. It's not a debate worth all of the analysis on Match of the Day, but it's definitely worth five minutes (laughs) on the on the ball. It was so disappointing, wasn't it? It was like, (laughs) we can really not last. And then it was just like, I did a bit for five live. I did a bit for five live before the game and, and it descended a bit into a Billy Gilmore conversation in the bit in either side of, of some of some decent chat. Um just for a quick bit of balance, on, by the way, he wasn't my man of the match. Timu Cookie <laughs> was my man of the match. So oh, even yeah. though he won man of the match with everyone else, Billy Gilmore wasn't my man of the match. I would definitely give it to Pookie because I just um, thought it was vintage performance for him. Yeah, and there were a few other candidates I would have given it before Billy as well. Rashitsa definitely up there too for me now this is i was actually gonna bring this up to you so i'm glad you did great shout on temu by the way um i don't know if i was a bit harsh on me i thought I, you were so because um, yeah, i said I in my were. video verdict i thought I just, he's a player i want more from and um yeah i what what i'm I, so i and i think someone actually put it in a comment in, on youtube and i was like you know what i am i think it's just because i feel like there's so much in there that could come out yeah. i think it's almost like i'm expecting more because i feel like he's a player who could really really deliver but the, the the point probably that i haven't got across um he hasn't got an assist yet i don't think has he but he has basically provided the expected threat i suppose if we're going to get on niche the the assist of the assist for two really crucial goals in these last two games and he really is starting to to influence things in a position I was really hoping to see him play which is basically in a three 
yeah, he, yeah. he did get the assist for Omar Bamadeli's goal against Leeds. He took the yeah. corner for that. And also... Oh, yeah. Good point. The, and the other thing I was just going to say, the, the winning goal came... The corner that we won was a was a brilliant cross from Rashid, which was headed behind. Well, maybe brilliant, is it? but it was, it was a dangerous cross. I felt like that was the threat that he was providing, particularly in the second half uh, on Saturday. So... That that goal wouldn't have come about without that cross, I suppose. Although you know, it's not. I know what you mean, Michael. You sort of watch him and think, "Oh, just keep running past yeah. them, or just oh, do a little bit more." Like you said, I think there's a there's probably an incredibly good player in there, and we haven't quite seen him yet, but it's getting close. It is getting closer, isn't it? Which is exciting. Oh my goodness, how optimistic do we sound? This is just See? wonderful. Optimism um, is amazing. <laughs> it is. Um, well, um, we're at the halftime sting um, spot, but we're we're about three quarters of the way through the podcast because we are going to wrap this up in a little bit. So I'm going to play this anyway, because that way, obviously the next 15 minutes will be amazing. Which brings us on uh, nicely. Well, we are going to look at some comments uh, that we'd have had while we were recording this live. Um, I don't know if Steve has managed to uh, to clock. Oh, sorry, bang my mic. Uh, clock any of those um, uh, himself? I see one that says "excellent Hodgie. So um, I don't oh, know that's you're there, mate. You're, you're, just you're general in the virtues of wisdom. General, yeah, that's a, that's a Stuart Hodge has said that. Yeah. I think. yeah, yeah. Did he just tweet himself? <laughs> yeah, love it. Uh, no, I think. By the way, I think that was after I mentioned iambic pentameter. So oh, Richard's oh. clearly a man of culture. <laughs> I, you've said that twice, and I still couldn't repeat either of those two words, um, which is exciting. Um, Steve, did you see any other ones worth bringing up? Well, Adam has asked, "Can you just turn up to the nest, or is it ticketed?" Um, so you can get tickets in advance. The tickets get announced on the women's social media channels. Uh, a few days before the games, or if uh, it's not sold out, because it normally isn't, you can just rock up and buy a ticket on the door. There we go. See, answer that one. Um, and some love for Andy on Mabamadali as well. Uh, people saying they think Andy and Gibson for the long haul much better. That was Robin Frost. Guy Williams says Dean Smith will learn soon that Hanley is not good enough for the Prem. One goal does not change that. He makes too many mistakes and is great at marking space. Can SAS, is that what we're calling Smith and Shakespeare now? Yes, yeah. I think SAS is, improve yeah. him. Well, some people are. I don't think I'm. I probably will. But there we go. Um, Simon Duarte says uh, Ben Gibson, man of the match, which I would agree with. Yeah, um, David David Berman uh, Berman says I agree with Hodgie. Thought everyone's agreeing with Hodgie. The so there we go. There's well, a lot that's... of Hodgie love, isn't there? Yeah. So what are we not doing right, Sarah? What are we not doing right? Not at all. Can't don't say that. And um, Will Hinsley said, "God, I needed that sting," which is um, that's one for me. I'm taking that one. Uh, Jake Roberts also adds, "Any idea how far away Sam Byram is from first team action, and should we play him instead of Aaron's or Aaron's or Williams? No. Uh, not at the moment, I wouldn't say. I, no, I actually no. watched the under twenty ones on Friday night when they played Charlton. That's right, it was one one. Uh, Sam played the first forty five minutes, his first forty five minutes in public since injuring uh, himself game, yeah. against Liverpool. Yeah, so um, which I still feel really bad about because it was that game happened about 10 days after I interviewed Sam when we were <laughs> talking about how difficult his injury, past injuries have been and how fit he felt. And I, I just, oh, I still feel really bad about that. I can't help it, obviously, but there we go. But that interview is still on The Athletic if you wanted to read it. Um, but um, uh, yes, uh, so uh, Sam got those 45 minutes under his belt, which is, a, which is a first thing. I would imagine they might get him out for the under-23s again, but it's just about getting the training minutes in and when he feels ready. We might see him slip onto a onto a bench, I suppose. But um be interesting then who Dean Smith opts to um opts to play in those situations. So uh, we shall see. I tell you what, shall we uh, move uh, swiftly on to uh, a bit of Motti? This is almost fantasy football. Yeah, this is the time where we uh, look ahead and paint the picture of what we expect to see from Norwich City over the uh, coming seven days. They will be highlighted, of course by Saturday and the visit from Wolves. Um, it should be added that there's a rare midweek fixture next week uh, when Norwich Ooh. head to Newcastle. Yeah, uh, live on, is it live on Sky, is it? Goodness I me. So, yeah. I mean, Newcastle are away at Arsenal on Saturday. So assuming they don't win at Arsenal, which I would say is unlikely. I know mm -hmm. Arsenal got done, but they're, they're a good side against poor teams, I'd say, Arsenal. Uh, Eddie, Eddie Howe may not be in the dugout. He may be for Arsenal, but he may not because somehow he managed to contract COVID just before his first game in charge. It's not funny, but he is fine. Um, so can I just ask, how did he get that job? 
Like, Ooh. how good is his? How good is his personal PR? And then they offered it to him. Wow. <laughs> well, I, I don't know, but how how do you have the personal PR of such a level that you get a team relegated and then land a job with the richest club in football? He like, kept them up a long don't... time. Good yeah, like, He kept them up a long time, but he then eventually fell out the league with them. So it's like, a weird. It's a weird any job. candidate, really. Like, I mean, the vast majority. Job, like Michael said, there's people who would just rule themselves out from going there because of the current situation, I'm sure of it, right? It's also, it's yeah. a bit of an interim job, really, isn't it? It's going to be a bit like what United are doing now, yeah. I suppose. I mean, Eddie Howe might have been in with a shout of that if he hadn't have taken the, uh, <laughs> taken the Newcastle job. Well, it's, it's interesting. I don't know if I'd have necessarily swapped Smith for either Eddie Howe or Stephen Gerrard. I don't know if that's just saying it with the benefit of hindsight, but if you look at the records, um, I'd say Smith in terms of consistently Mm. performing is probably above either of those two. But then equally, I would imagine that, um, well, Villa obviously wouldn't take Smith, but Newcastle would probably not take Smith over Howe potentially. I don't know. Maybe it's just a better fit. Let me just let me just say this now because I really want to. I hope Steve Bruce gets the interim Man United job because that would be amazing. Um, but also, I found it fascinating watching how. I mean, there are pieces on Dean Smith's first press conference on the Athletic, and the, the whole managerial search. There is loads of stuff. Read it if you haven't. But um, I found it really interesting how Dean Smith dealt with the press, how he spoke, and all the things he said, um, and then comparing that with how Steven Gerrard sort of spoke and. I know Stephen Gerrard's getting asked a lot of questions about his route to Liverpool and him being the personality and what he's bringing. Um, but then he's also sort of adding to it to himself, sort of saying, look at how invested I am because of how I reacted to the goals and things like this. And it's all, I don't know, it'll be really interesting how it pans out. Maybe it'll work and maybe it is good. I mean, the Rangers defeat on on uh, Sunday, was it? Or Saturday, certainly. Made, it clear, made it clear that um, <laughs> perhaps he's a, bigger loss there than than people might have necessarily thought i don't know but it'll be really interesting how it how it pans out at Villa. One, one thing just as we're as we're looking forward uh is after the wolves game the next the four the four games after that are all against teams that have appointed new managers in november i think we've got newcastle manchester newcastle. united uh sorry newcastle tottenham Spurs. manchester united and villa in that order wow which is i don't know if that's good or bad i mean i was thinking is that a coincidence or is it just those managers haven't been sacked because they haven't had a chance to pick up three points against us earlier in the season. <laughs> oh, oh, God. No optimism. Sorry, I've done it again. I've done it again. Well, in fairness, so the, yeah, I mean, it's, um, yeah, really interesting. I, I worry about the Newcastle game. I have to be honest. Um, I was at the friendly and that was pretty awful. And it, never if, awful. if they haven't won a game, I just fear that that might be the point at which they win one, um, which would be a shame. Yeah, and it's got the feelings that even if we have a positive trajectory <coughs> under Dean Smith and all of the rest of it, it's just the kind of Norwich City result to have, isn't it? Like, <laughs> which, we're, we're within that. And I'm not bring... saying that as a negative, Sarah. I'm just saying that because it would be ironic and just the kind of thing. But the yeah. interesting, the interesting thing here is the is the what Wolves game. I mean, Dean Smith managed Villa against Wolves. Um, they were two 0 up Villa and ended up losing 3-2. And that was the second game out of his five losing game losing streak. So in hindsight, Steve, I mean, A, he obviously knows how to get two goals ahead of Wolves, but you know, at least maybe with a second go, he wouldn't he wouldn't um you know allow his side to end up on a result like that, I suppose. Yeah, there's, there's something to be said for having a manager who's already played these teams this season. Obviously he would have he would have watched all the games regardless uh of you know of te- the opposition that he's playing, but there's that you know he's he's been scarred by that experience, so it might it might help. Um, I'm with you. I I have I just have a bad. I I think we're just kind of scarred by previous um, six pointers in inverted commas in the Premier League, where we never seem to get on the right end of them, and I think that will be a massive t- like if if we can come away from there with three points, then I really Ooh. feel like well we Ooh. might. I mean, I but it's a it, point. The optimism is. <laughs> But it's but it's oh, it's it's not it's not unthinkable though, right? We could we could win that game. We are above them in the table. So and if if we can do that away at Newcastle, I will really start to think. Mm-hmm. Oh dear, we might have a chance. Okay, can I can I pick out a comment that that's really interested me? Um, from one. What of the time and what time and what name? Uh, great. Eight fifty four. Jason yep. Hayden says there was not much of playing out from the back on Saturday. Yep. A big kick from Crew more often than not. What are your views on this? I think in our position, it's a good thing. Now, this is something I mm. noticed. Yeah, was there was more of an emphasis on that, but also 
When we were 2-1 up, there was one kick that Krull played, and I could only describe it as a Farka ball kick out. It was one of those, you know, like a kind of golf shot sort of across mm-hmm. the fairway towards the green, and it's just basically inviting an interception. And what happened is they won the ball and they started sort of running at us off the back of it. And I was just thinking, and, and I knew this wouldn't happen under Farka, but obviously we've got a new man at the helm now. I was just thinking for Krull, kick it, Tim. Just get it up the park. Don't invite any pressure. And I'll be interested to see the evolution of this because Krull playing that way was obviously because that was the directive from the manager and the coaching staff. I will be interested to see the development and the the distribution from, mm-hmm. from the goalkeeper moving forward in terms of how it's going to be under Dean Smith and Craig Shakespeare. Because I expect that to be an area where it's going to be really different for Norwich City tactically. Mm-hmm. I um yeah likewise too that's um that's one of my takeaways from the first game that I'm sort of storing away for a piece at some <laughs> point for the athletic but I think um I got I got the impression I did have a chat with someone I I think they almost took the instructions to black and white in the first half and I think although people looked totally at it and went, oh, we're, we're going so direct I think it's just because it's a new manager new coaching staff they they kind of did it and it's like, no, no, don't not literally like that. <laughs> don't literally just give the <laughs> so ball away. And I think that was kind of part of then the reset as well at halftime as well. It's not really it's not really a problem you associate with with a new manager, but it, it must be there that you're like, oh, well, he said that. And I've got no idea where his context or nuance is. So I'm just going to do it. And, yeah, yeah. and they're footballers, you know, it's. Like a classroom of kids, isn't it? That is how you have to deal with the, with the football this, team. Always. This is exactly the point I was making earlier. It's like he wanted them to move the ball forward quickly, but I think in the first half it was like they were just focused on right, get the ball forward rather than few passes, then yeah. do it. Whereas I think in the second half they almost got the balance bang on. It was like they knew when to sort of move it forward purposefully and then when to just hold the ball a wee bit, keep it off Saints. It was, I just, I just think the the, the slight. I think you're right. They kind of did the whole spinal tap. Let's turn these amps mm-hmm. up to 11 in the first half. And then they got it to like eight or nine in the second. And it was perfect. Just uh, just back to Wolves coming up on Saturday. I mean, it, they were a team I was thinking we're really going to struggle this year. Um, they're sixth. <laughs> it's a bit like Crystal Palace, really, who are in no way struggling. And to be honest, don't even look like they're going to. They've got some really good players that have really settled in. So... Uh, we are still looking for these teams that we're going to finish above uh, this season, which is all good. Let the, let, let the search continue. Um, but, they, you know, Wolves have been very impressed. And I think um, Raul Jimenez looks um, like he's getting back to his best and they found new players to play off him as well because Dama Traore is almost a sort of bit part player now. So um, it's not going to be easy, I suppose, is what I'm saying. It's not just going to be this uh, this uh Great chance for three points, Sarah. But, you know, we played very well in the first half against them two seasons ago. Yeah, so another, I think another one of them. I think it's going to, you know, the momentum's with the team, right? The the boys have had two wins on a trot. We probably wouldn't have expected that from where we were a month or so ago. You know, another home game. It's perfect timing to have two home games in a row. Yeah, it's going to be a tougher game, I think, than Southampton. You know, you like you said, Michael, the kids were like, oh, where are Wolves thinking they'll be at the bottom of the table? And they look at the table and go, oh, that's it. But, you know, <laughs> at least on Saturday, the trains are running all the way from, from London to Norwich, so I don't have to stop off in Ipswich and, you know, get on a coach or pick up a hire car. So, I don't, you know, it's going to be a better journey for us. We're not going to have to hide our Norwich shirts as we're trailing around Ipswich. Um, and I, I, I think they're going to come out with a bit more belief in themselves, which actually could make all the difference in terms of the technical difference between the two teams. And I think that's what they haven't haven't shown us yet, that they actually believe in themselves. Um, and I think if they can have that belief from the beginning, so that halftime team talk at the start, and they can come out and give us a good first 45 minutes, then let, let's see where we get to. We know we can. they can hang on, right? They, even when they're playing badly, they hung on. Well, they defensively hung on. So let's see what happens, right? I thought there was probably more positivity, Steve, to take from this win than there was the one at Brentford, to be honest, because sure. you know th- this yeah. was much more strong. Yeah, and, and Saints, actually, the first, the first team who we p- played this season at all, who have really come into the game on a on good in really good form no one else I think I've said this on here before but basically everyone else we played has lost the previous game uh, before playing us so actually the fact that Wolves are doing quite well at the moment might conversely kind of work in our favour I have a weird feeling go on 
Go on. I think I think we could. I think we could win. I think I'm I'm more confident about that than Newcastle. Put it that way. I I I think and Smith will have had a week to have got his. Mm -hmm. I I don't think we could have judged him, albeit made an excellent substitution. But I don't think we could have judged the performance solely Mm -hmm. on him on Saturday. But but I think we will get a much more clear idea of what they're about against after the Wolves game. So hopefully we'll be saying good things this time next week. Oh. God, what a run that would be on the ball hmm. in the Dean Smith era, a new ball game. Um, it will be an interesting week. I think there's going to be a couple of other things that are likely to come out this week. Um, I probably can't say. So we'll oh, see. Just, what? just you know. I is, it, is it the name of Todd's dog? I hope, that, I hope <laughs> by adding that to the list. So don't let <laughs> us down, everyone. Um, uh, but also, um, and probably linked into the fact the two things will come out is Norwich's AGM on mm. Thursday. So that's always an interesting evening. I think um, I know what the thing is, isn't well, but let's, let's save it. Uh, let's, save it for I, I think, I think, I let's think. not talk about the thing. The, okay, I've, oh, sorry, the first rule of fight club is don't talk <laughs> about fight club. Yeah, yeah you've blown that one. Yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so um, that you know, it, it, it'll all come out in the wash, and most of it is open secret anyway. But I feel like I have a journalistic responsibility not to say it out of my mouth right Absolutely now. Absolutely, you do, bro. So there we go. Um, uh, right. Well, in that case, I think times are good. So um, I will say. Can I make a prediction? Oh, you snuck that one in, Stuart. Go on then. What? Norwich City three. Wolverhampton, what I feel I should say this in the style of James Alexander Gordon because you've okay. not done an impression yeah. yet. Okay. Norwich City three, Wolverhampton Wanderers one. Okay, yeah, wow, we Maybe take it, yeah, we'll take yeah. It. absolutely. Sergeant Hattrick, um, <laughs> that's no happening. I'm not putting money on that one. Um, I've, I've just had a message from uh, Norwich City's head of comms, by the way, telling me um, I absolutely do have a journalistic responsibility to keep, uh, and keep your god shut. Um, so uh, there we go. I can't remember what I told uh, him I would do the next time he messaged me while I was live on air to try and um, misstep me. So there we go. Well, he's um, featured you in the video, so you've got to be nice to them now, haven't you? This is it. Of course. Amazing. I'm always nice to them. I'm always too nice to them, some would say. Um, that is time. For the 88th edition of On The Ball, the Norwich City podcast that will never forgive Kevin Muscat. Can't believe we haven't mentioned him tonight. Uh, if you yet to do so, make sure you subscribe via your podcast player of choice. The pod is available free for everyone on a usual player. And we are now streaming the recording of the podcast live in video form on my social media channels. You can search Michael Bailey, The Athletic, Norwich City and your preferred social platform. And hopefully it will show up. I think these live recordings are going quite well, aren't they? They've been quite enjoyable. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Until you start to get threatened by members of the North City Press. Oh, team. yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, that's not nice at all, is it? At least I'm involving everyone in that. So it's all right. Go on, Steve. I'm, I'm sure it wasn't threatening in tone. One no, thing I would no. say is, Michael, see this trick that you showed us before we went live with the kind of Connect Four stuff, like for me and Steve's outfit. Yes. Can you, can you do one swap, one Connect Four swap for, oh, look that's at that. that. Look yeah. at the technology, guys. Cutting edge. Wow, uh, that's that's yeah, combobulated you all, hasn't no, it? Like um, it. <laughs> ratings and reviews, uh, wherever prompted, are uh, well, there you go, that's a nice one, uh, 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 always appreciated. And if you want to get in touch with, uh, with us uh, with any questions or topic proposals, send me a direct message on Twitter at Michael J. Bailey. Although I do feel I say that for when it's a bit quieter than it has been in recent <laughs> weeks, um, because I may have got lost on some of all of those, but please keep them coming. I'll certainly do my best to keep track of them. Um, a big thank you to our wonderful guests this evening. They were Steve. Thank you so much, Steve. Thank you, Michael. Pleasure. Stuart, as always, an absolute delight. Thank you, Michael Bailey. <laughs> Sarah, thank you for coming on. Two down. Loads more to go, I hope. Yeah, absolutely. And the kids didn't come in again. I can hear them outside the door, but they're, they're just still outside the door. Yes, you. I, I saw the sign you put on the door uh, before you yep. went live. So I hope they're all all right, <laughs> primarily. They, they were questioning what a life-threatening injury was, but, you know. Okay, well, let's hope that hasn't <laughs> happened. Um, we will be back next week uh, for loads more um, Canaries Capers in another On The Ball Norwich City podcast. Until then, never mind the danger. <laughs>
I get to move this around. And we're clear. It was like I was, was, like was chairing a science conference all over again, Michael. Yeah, I can, we can fiddle, fiddle around with that all day long. Um, Steve, uh, Stu and Sarah, uh, all you Twitterkers out there, welcome to Wits End, the first Wits End of the Team Smith era. Uh, if you've stumbled across this for the first time and wondering what else is going on, and why the pod hasn't actually ended yet. You can listen to On The Ball podcast number 42, which went live on September the 8th, 2020, which now does feel a considerably long time ago. Uh, but it is all explained there. Uh, you can email this bonus part of the show directly with an email to Twitterkers, Twitter, K-E-R-S, at iCloud.com, or use the hashtag Twitterkers, Twitterkers, Twitter, K-E-R-S, uh, hashtag that, uh, on Twitter. Uh, just don't explain what it refers to uh, because this is a secret club for only those who discover it, which is, of course, including you who are watching live, actually, as well. So we'll try and bring your comments into this section a little bit more than maybe we do some other sections of the pod if we can. Um, so, yeah, I hope we're all good. Uh, Twitterkers.co.uk, we have a website. I'm not sure how updated it's been, but it's it's all there, which is good, fun. Um, I am behind, I will confess now, on the Zodiac Whitbread and uh, Bailey's Comet, which are, of course, our uh, space and astrological puns. Um, so I've got a <laughs> bit of documenting to go on because, of course, it was quite a busy international break. My idea of having the weekend <laughs> off in the middle did not happen. Um, so a, a bit catching up to do. But I think, Steve... Well, we had, a f we had a few in the comments that we didn't mention last time. If anybody has any space puns for Bailey's Comet, then... Uh please get in touch because I did not bring any to the table this week, but we had Ricky Van Wolf's twinkle. Was that? Oh, that? That's wonderful. Mr. That Radio Floyd. Not bad. Um, also wonderful. the Fark side. Are we having that one? Yeah. Yeah. We'll have that. Yeah. yeah. And, There's a good one just coming on comments. Oh, oh yes. Matt Watling. Oh. Earth and a Koku. Earth and a Koku. Not bad, Matt. Not bad. Oh, uh, mate, Josh has just come in with an oh, absolute oh, I tell you what, Orion Bennett. That Orion that, Bennett is. I think Orion uh, Bennett. I think that might be the best one we've had. Demetrius Giannoulis. Oh, Bali Moonba. Josh, what's your no job? more? They we're gonna go. That's we're gonna go. Brilliant. We're gonna we're gonna peak too soon. No more. Let's just let's just wait. <laughs> okay, so we'll save the rest week. of them for next week. Okay. Can I ask, um, by the way, did this all spawn from when I put one random message in our group chat saying Mark Libra? Is there any? Is, is that was that the initial precursor? No, I think I think we were about two oh? months before that point. Um, <laughs> oh, wait, wait, okay. Wait, but wait, yeah, wait. it's okay. It's okay. It was Mark Libra. That's the, that's the Mark Libra creativity, Libra. anyway. I think so. As just like a player's name, like so, absolutely no creative endeavor. They're just <laughs> name Libra. Good um, Mark Libra. I've, I've got some a little bit of potential uh, Bailey's comic controversy as well uh, from the WhatsApp group. Uh, our on the ball WhatsApp group. Uh, ben Mouncer uh, has suggested <coughs> Ozone Quebec, which I think is pretty good. But um, yeah, right. Dan Dan Brigham then comes in with, I don't mean to be pedantic, brackets I do, but surely if you're going to have a point where space starts, it's after the ozone the layer. Ozone. So is. is the ozone, I mean, you know, well, are there any cosmologists on, out on, there? Uh, is I mean, the I'll... ozone layer part of space no. or isn't it? Sarah it depends how it depends how insular we're going to be about this, doesn't it? Like, are we, are we surely planet Earth? Insular. Planet Earth is in space. Does that mean we can't have Earth and a Koku? Earth is in space. Earth consumes space consumes everything. So how space could you consumes, not? Yeah, but then I suppose, like, is it in space? If it's you know, <laughs> oh could gosh. could we then have absolutely everything on planet Earth? It's a pun. We could just have like Teamy Pookie. Well, he's in he's in the universe, so he's his own pun, isn't he? Do you know what I mean? I suppose. No. Yeah. I mean that's yeah, pretty. We, I we, I lost myself, <laughs> we've gone down a particularly yeah. This is a hell sinking here. ship. I think this is it. I do not want to leave this cul-de-sac until we've decided if well, I've decided. Back. I, I've decided that the ozone ozone Quebec is a good enough pun to be included. Okay. It's That's in. how I would judge it. <laughs> Completely. What quality of the pun dictates? I'm quite yeah, happy with that. The rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Make that's fair enough, isn't it? Um, well, they're, they're wonderful. Cool. Well done. Thank you for those, Steve. Um, I'll add those well, to the list. And we've had I've had quite a few emails and uh, tweets, so I am gonna I'm gonna go um, and add those to uh, 
to the pot as well. There were some other ones I was going to check through, but I don't know if I've got them to hand now. And I don't really want to sit here mumbling through trying well, to get them. Well, to Ryan you, from Josh is so yeah, Ryan you, I love that. Michael, you cryptically said, uh, remind, uh, before the pod started, you said, remind me to tell you about my fish story. <laughs> oh, yeah. But we oh, haven't heard what that might be. So I think we're going to have to hear Don't get too excited. Um, but we, um, so it was my wife's birthday uh, fairly recently. Um, I do everything in football terms. So a few days before the Brentford game, <laughs> it was Fliss's birthday. Um, so uh, we, we as a family decided to buy her a fish tank um, because you can get some tropical fish. So we did that. We set it all up. And then finally at the weekend on Sunday, uh, we bought our four fish. Uh, four, we started off with four fish anyway, quite little ones. They're not tropical, temperate, but little ones. Um, and we've got four of them. So we all had to name them all. So um, these, I was like, well, what, what fish are these? um so uh the, the boys have obviously named theirs um a littlest uh he's named his one no head um the but next obvious. the next one originally <laughs> named his one egg face but i think changed it to bert bailey um and uh, uh my wife named hers um barnaby billy bob bert bailey i think um now and I was like, well, what are what are the name of these fish? And and they're called they're called um, Danios. Mm -hmm. So um, I I've, I've obviously named mine um, Daniel Farker. Yeah, mm. in tribute. Isn't it? So how, how are you telling the fish apart? What are they all looking different? <laughs> are they, you know, <laughs> one of them wears we, a Parker. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of them goes like this with his gills. When have it's you Every time he comes past the front of the tank, he goes. Paw. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, ah, uh, oh. you see, and that's kind of what it made me a bit nostalgic. I was like, no, oh, that, definitely that feels like an extension for fish puns uh, is coming. <laughs> that's <laughs> well, yeah. If anyone wants Norwich City fish related puns for the Bailey fish <laughs> tank, Daniel um, Sharker. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's well, we already had Daniel Daniel Sharker. Yeah. Um, that actually sounds kind of Irish, doesn't it? Hello there, I'm Danny O'Sharka. <laughs> okay. uh, uh, yes. Well, I think on that note, <laughs> that probably wraps it up. Uh, we, we could start a fish pin, uh, fish pun list. I'll keep track of them all. I'm, I'm desperate to keep track of all these lists of puns. So we could do that. Um, the other thing we, we have been asking for is um, uh, the, the things you missed as a, as a Norwich supporter, maybe a game, a goal. An occasion, I'm not sure which. I mean, I saw someone else, someone else, a podcast, someone else <laughs> shared the uh, the winning goal against uh, Derby again that Simeon Jackson got, which long term listeners will know still bugs me. <laughs> Can't remember how I, but yeah. Um, uh, so that's there. Um, so get those in as well. You can just send them via email, twitterkers at icloud.com or hashtag twitterkers. Um, but I think that's pretty much it, unless uh, anyone else has got uh, Kenny other business. Uh, I've got one, but it's I'm sort of the the mouthpiece for David Burman, who's got closer encounters. Uh, just in the comments there, oh, yeah. really like that. Closer encounters, there he is just giving out some love. And yeah, Will Hinsley has he? Tim? Was that? No, Tim not got no, no, yeah. And I'll just flag that up from Will Hinsley, who says I miss Daniel oh. or, or Daniel, as I'm now calling him for <laughs> Daniel Shaka. Um, <laughs> all right in that case i think we're done yeah everyone happy uh, very much um uh daniel farker might be interested in the Verder bremen job like yeah. um, that's not yeah, news yeah. it's just uh i saw that it was available so yeah <laughs> we're getting more fish puns cod can't well oh we... ben codfrey oh i've just been sat here <laughs> oh, for about wow. five minutes trying to think yeah. of one ben codfrey thank oh, god i wondered why you'd gone so quiet Jeez, I, I was like steve's gone very quiet now we he's know he's enjoying why. it he's enjoying the puns there is a cod count well from Joshua Phillips. Fair play. Is that um, all the jokes? Maybe. So a lot of these I'm going to have to write down. <laughs> um, well, in that case, I think we're all wrapped up. Uh, thank you, everyone, for watching. Thank you, guys, for just a wonderful podcast and for uh, getting me through it. <laughs> and I'm going straight to bed now. Um, all that's left then, I think, is for everyone to say goodbye, which we like to do on, on three, if that's okay. So um, one, two, three. Bye. There they go. We're done um that's it uh remember us to get in contact with this email or twitter whichever uh, but until next time that's a rope